The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. The issue of character references at sentencing and court hearings has reared again this week. Our Today FM course correspondent Frank Graney is with us. Uh, particular cases in a Cork man and a Tipperary man, uh, and they got, they were being sentenced and they had character references provided on their behalf. Tell us a, a brief outline of these two particular cases, please, Frank. Well, firstly, I should preface it by saying um, we can't identify either of the two men in, in these cases that you've mentioned. Um, o- only yesterday, 11 testimonials were handed up to the judge in the case of the Cork man, a 56-year-old Cork man who was convicted of a litany of rape and sexual assault charges against his ex-girlfriend. This was a dreadful case that also saw him being found guilty of raping her son. Um, The testimonials were from friends, neighbours and people who had worked with him and several of them described him as a caring father and a good friend. The case you spoke about in relation to the Tipperary man, that was last week. Um, A judge in the Central Criminal Court was asked to accept character referees for for this particular person. Um, And he made a couple of interesting comments as well. This was uh, Mr Justice David Keane. um, And he actually said that character referees for convicted criminals in cases like this should have to come to court to be uh, cross-examined. And and this was in relation to the the sentence hearing of of this 38-year-old man from Tipperary who was convicted of the repeated rape and sexual assault of his young son. And some of the references that were handed up in this case were written by the offender's parents and his current partner. And Mr Justice Keane, he made a few very interesting comments um, more generally in relation to character references where he did say that there was a dicta uh, from the Court of Appeal recently issued uh, from that court suggesting that anyone who wants to provide a character reference to the court should be in court and should be available for cross-examination. However, it is important to point out that a dicta is not binding. It's merely a suggestion which can obviously be accepted or rejected. And in relation to character references from family members, he said that limited weight uh, should be given uh, in those particular cases. And these... uh Talk, it's written testimonials that come in on behalf of these people, character references. I mean, those could have been written, could they, even before the evidence was heard in court or before a conviction was brought down, or could they? I mean, I mean, theoretically, they, they could be, um, but, but they are usually requested after the fact, um, and they are more often than not used in um, at sentence hearings. There is obviously, you know, character witnesses can be called during trial. It's, it's, it rarely happens here, but the option to call them is available to a defence barrister. And the purpose of those is to show that the accused person, the person on trial, is less likely to have committed the offence because they are a person of good character. But if a defence obviously chooses to call such a witness at trial, then they'd obviously be open to cross-examination from the other side too. What you do see more often is character references handed in after the fact, after a person has been convicted. Um, And in a court setting, they are a reference as to the character of an offender. They're particularly useful when it comes to giving a judge, I suppose, a better insight into who that person before them is. And I think that's the crucial point because character references are normally prefaced by, you know, 
whoever the author of them usually will say that what they're writing in no way condones what a person has done, but they are designed to give a wider view of who that person is outside of the dock and outside of the crime that put them there, which is a factor to be considered because you have to remember that one of the guiding principles of sentencing is that a judge must look at the offender as well as the offence. I think the problem here is that there's no opportunity for the other side to test those character references. But also, Matt, I think, you know, a big problem here is that we don't know. We simply don't know. You hear anecdotally that judges don't put an awful lot of weight uh, to these character references. But the reality is we don't know because you're not given a detailed breakdown. Yes, judges do give an awful lot of detail as to how they arrive at a particular sentence for an offender. But there isn't an Excel sheet put up saying this person got X, Y, Z off for pleading to the offence, which would obviously give them a huge discount. And you're never told, you know, how much a person, if any person is given a discount in relation to character references. So perhaps that's something that, you know, the courts could look at doing too. We've got Cleena Sadlier with us as well, Executive Director of the Rape Crisis Network Ireland. And Cleena, it strikes me listening to all of that, that in a situation, a court situation like this, a trial, how difficult it must be for the victims to give evidence to tell their story, even if their anonymity is protected, they still have to go through the trauma of the trial and reliving what has happened to them. They get a satisfaction, I don't know if it's the correct word, but they at least find that the person who is accused is decided by a jury or by a judge to be guilty of the allegations and has been found guilty of the crimes. And then they have to listen to a whole load of statements from people who haven't gone through the experience that they've gone through saying that the perpetrator is actually a fine fella. How are they supposed to feel about that? Absolutely. I think I think you've outlined it there. The journey to get to a guilty verdict, you know, is such is so arduous and it's such a huge thing for any victim and for literally the next step to be and here's all the reasons why he's he's, you know, a fine upstanding member of the community is just really, really difficult. And the fact that there's this focus then on not only the sentence itself, which is the punishment part, which is the vindication part, but is also then about about rehabilitation and is about the offender. You know, so that that, that focus shift but I think even if, even if the, the character references are simply a statement of fact of, of where you know someone from and where you've been engaged with them and what their activities or profession, professional life or whatever it is are, you know, the fact of that just feels, you know, it, it is difficult to not feel that as, 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 you know, just a, just a punch in the gut for, for any victim. Um, you know, it has that impact of you, you had, you've got the guilty and then this, the very next step. I wonder why people give them. Why would you, if you know that somebody has been convicted of heinous sex offences like the ones we've just heard in those particular two cases outlined by Frank and in many other situations, why would somebody actually give a character reference on behalf of somebody who they clearly don't know? Yeah, I, I, I think there's, I think there's two things here. One, one I'd like to say is just, I think the, 
putting it up to anyone giving a character effort that you that you will have to be in court and you will, you will have to stand over your words, robustly defend them and robustly defend why you've written that letter. That might be, just give a lot of people pause because they might not think through the full impact or even that, you know, once once that's put to them, they may choose not to. Um, but the, but the second, the second piece that I, you know, is, is when we think about sexual violence and domestic violence in particular, um, perhaps, you know, the, the norm or the tradition of character references might be more appropriate for other crimes, but might simply be not appropriate in these crimes. Because as you know, and, and, as, and I think, you know, increasingly, you know, the, the general public know a lot of people who are, um, abusers have, you know, they have, they have spotless, um, characters outside of the fact that they did something really, really terrible. So they are paedophiles, but have re- that are, are upstanding members of the community. It's part of the grooming strategy of many sexual offenders that they are upstanding members of the community. So it seems to me that we have, we haven't, we may need to think about the, that we need to treat sexual violence as exceptional when it comes to character references, because in fact, um, they may prove the opposite to what they're trying to prove. It's an interesting point, Frank Rennie, to go back to you, that maybe if people knew that they were going to be cross-examined, that they had to go and orally deliver their support and take questions on it, they might think again rather than just providing something in writing. Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, I know Regina Doherty is proposing a, a bill whereby character references or anyone who gives a character reference would be cross-examined in open court and would have to be there. And and I did read earlier that Regina Darcy actually provided a character reference for somebody in court previously, but she did make herself available and she was cross-examined at, at length in relation to it. It seems like such a simple fix, you know, and a little bit more transparency would be great as well, because as I said earlier, you do hear anecdotally from lawyers who will say that judges don't give them much weight. But we don't know that. That's the reality. And I'm minded of a dreadful case that I covered um, recently and we spoke about on the show, Matt. And this was in relation to a young girl who was raped by another of men, a number of men in the Midlands. And one of those men, the only one who actually pleaded guilty to raping her was a 24-year-old man called Connor Byrne from Ballybeg in, in Moat in County Westmeath. He pleaded guilty at the 11th hour. The trial, I think, was two days in when he did. And the judge spent hours going through her reasoning behind the sentences that she eventually handed down to the men before her. And she did spend a bit of time talking about the testimonials that were handed up in relation to uh, Connor Byrne. She took into account that he had a tragic background. He had taken care of both of his parents in their dying days and was left looking after a small family farm after they died. Testimonials were offered from almost every corner of Connor Byrne's community. And while they did all express absolute abhorrence with his actions on the night and great sympathy for the young girl, they also said they felt compelled to speak of Burns other qualities and I, I did really feel for the survivor in this particular case uh, listening to that. that that must be very difficult to hear and I know it was important for the judge to take all of that into consideration when tailoring a sentence for Connor Byrne you know but I, I just my heart went out to her because it must have been very difficult to hear that you know this man had admitted doing something dreadful to her and these were all these testimonials talking about his good character. Um, you know, a little bit more transparency, absolutely. And that opportunity for, you know, the other side to cross-examine. Okay. And also, I wonder how much, you know, testing there is of referees who put themselves forward, you know, as to their good character when they're putting forward character references on behalf of other people. OK, we've run out of time there. Thank you very much, Frank Graney, today from Courts Correspondent and Dr. Kleena Sadler, Executive Director of the Rape Crisis Network, Ireland. 
The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.